With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is John Townley and today we have the pleasure of being joined by tactical expert, TIFO football regular, John McKenzie. John, how are you? I'm doing really, really well, thank you. It's great to be on again and yeah, really enjoy talking about tactical managers and that is definitely what Unai Emery is. So yeah, looking forward to chatting to you. Yeah, and for those who don't know um, the work that John does and all the other guys as well at TIFO, please do check them out. We'll link them in in the bio and across socials, etc. So yeah, they do um, some really nice work and I'm sure our viewers will also uh, like the stuff that you produce, John. Um, we have you on, as you mentioned, to talk about a bit about Unai Emery, but specifically the sort of playing out from the back um, situation. A lot of Villa fans, I suppose the style itself, a lot of it in terms of what Emery's trying to do at Villa is, you know, it starts literally from playing out from the back and different things that Villa fans are probably still getting used to. <laughs> Not to be too negative at the start, but five years ago, Steve Bruce was in charge at Villa. So I think fans are still sort of getting over some things and sort of learning new um systems and tactics because they've been out of the Premier League for what was it three years and obviously they weren't so good before then either so they're sort of getting up to speed with everything is what I think anyway um, so they've come a long way should we say there's a lot of nerves around Villa Park when they're playing out from the back doing different things that we haven't seen or fans haven't seen um, at home so can you quickly or at least give a general sort of <laughs> Um, overview of what is playing out from the back for fans who don't really understand either the point of it or what it's trying to achieve. Can you give a sort of a general overview of what are the benefits of playing out from the back? Yeah, I guess the the most important thing to say whenever someone is sceptical about playing out the back is to use the line that I think it was um, Vincent Company used when he first started at Burnley. Uh, he was coming into a team where I don't think it's fair to say they, they weren't interested in building up from the back, but um, under Sean Dyche, I think a little bit more circumspect about about trying to move the ball through um, from, their, from their own back line forwards. And Vincent Company says, look, I know that a lot of people are, are a little bit sceptical about this way of playing, but what you need to understand about me is that I really like scoring goals. That's the, the fundamental point. And so everything that we're going to be doing, all of this stuff that seems as though it doesn't have much to do with scoring goals, actually all comes down to scoring goals. So the the idea of building up from the back is about scoring goals. It's about being able to get the ball from a certain situation where you're you're able to say, we know what the conditions are going to be every time we start building up from the back. We know the way that we're going to be able to progress the ball down the field and we're going to get it into the final third in re- re- repeatable ways so we're going to be arriving in the final third with the ball in the same sort of place players in the same sort of place and with the same sort of attacking ideas in our heads that that's very much um what what the 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 basic idea of building out of the back is all about it's about being able to score goals it's about being able to score goals more consistently than if you are by just you know lumping the ball forward because yes of course to get the ball in the goal you need to have the ball 
near the goal. Um, but it's not just about having the ball near the goal. It's about having the players in the right structure near the goal, having possession of the ball near the goal, having control of the ball. Uh, and, and a lot of that will be what Unai Emery is all about. There's also the fact that I mentioned the word control there as well. It, it is about control. If you kick the ball forward really quickly, often the ball will come back just as quickly. That's a, a famous quote from Juanma Leo, who used to be the assistant manager at Manchester City, would say, yeah, the, the faster the ball goes forward, the faster the ball comes back. Um, so with a manager like Unai Emery as well, he's going to be wanting to control the play as well. Um, yes, you may end up losing the ball when you're building up, but the, the general upside from the, uh, what you're trying to do is to be able to score goals, control the game and make it much more likely that you're going to win the game. So hopefully that's a good overview of why you might build up from the back. It definitely is. Um I think the key point in all of that is it's the consistency of patterns of play, that sort of thing as well, because as you mentioned, if you go long and there's reasons why some teams go long, um, for, you know, maybe they don't have the quality of player to do it or there's a short term um, benefit of climbing at the league, whatever it may be. But for uh, for someone like Unai Emery who's trying to get into a top six position with Aston Villa or a top seven, you need to be in every game or the players at least, need to know patterns of play, as you mentioned, consistency of just simple things of knowing where each of your teammates are. And that comes with experience of doing this more regularly. So it's happened right from the start. And I think that's probably why Villa fans have kind of been a bit shocked by it in, in some ways. But that's the key point for me. It's the consistency of patterns of play building up um, instead of it being more of a sort of, I don't know, I guess it's quite random, isn't it, when you're, it's not lumping the ball forwards, but when you have no sort of you know strategy with it, I suppose is what I'm trying to say. That's when goal scoring is made harder. I think it's worth saying as well that this is all about the long term project as well. Um, yeah. So obviously, when you're starting off when the, with these sorts of situations, it can be terrifying. I'm a I'm a Leeds fan, and uh, I remember you know Marcelo Bielsa coming in and doing that at Leeds in the Championship. And um, I mean, I've always been a big believer in that sort of approach and style of play. Uh, but there's certainly a lot of Leeds fans who were in the same boat as maybe Villa fans are now, where you know it's just it's it's scary. It's you, you see your your players. Um, moving the ball around near your own goal um, and and sometimes even baiting the opposition in to press forward to create space to then attack. It's, it, is, it is terrifying. But in the long run, if you're wanting to become a team who are going to be consistently challenging for Europe, you have to be able to play the game in that way, I think. Um, and so it's well worth having having patience because this isn't just about being, you know, ball-clenchingly scary. This is about actually taking Villa from a team who were in a relegation battle to being a team who are going to consistently challenge towards the other end of the table. The sort of mistakes that Villa fans will be well aware of, there was the... Um... I think it was Dendonka in an FA Cup game that they lost to Stevenage. There's obviously different reasons why he lose to Stevenage, but on the edge of his box, he gets um, uh, dispossessed and gives away a penalty against Leicester. Bugar Kamara makes one error, potentially two, I think. Uh, Brighton away, Martinez and Louise. You'll know all about these two. But as you mentioned, it's almost short-term pain for that long-term game. And, game, sorry, and those mistakes were, were at the very start of... I'm not saying the very start, but we haven't, at least for the last six games, seen any problems. So I'm not not trying to say that they've um, learnt it already because they certainly haven't. But it is that short-term pain and fans suffering and thinking, oh, this isn't going to work, we have to change it. When actually, in a couple of months' time, there's not any noise about it. And like in the recent win against Bournemouth, we they played out the back quite a few times and they were only 1-0 up or whatever. Then there was less murmurings around, around Villa Park than what there was um, usually. So, yeah, the... Point is, it's short-term pain for long-term gain, and just say that's you have to compete at the top. If you want to do that, then 
this is the sort of brand of football that is now um, going to get you there, as we've seen through Brighton, Fulham, Brentford, all of those teams. I need to focus on the positives as well. I mean, the, the goal against Arsenal that you scored was yeah. a, was a goal that came from the back, and then was it the was it the Bournemouth game that you mentioned where that goal was scored? It was an, an own goal in the end, but yeah. um, again, that got the ball into a dangerous position from the back as well. Um, so you look, you, you know, you don't get those goals with without building from the back so you have to focus on the positives as well as the negatives um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that you'll agree that the, the positives are outweighing the negatives in terms of what you're seeing on the field yeah Villa is a team I suppose the in terms of memory how he's trying to play it you have a double pivot of uh, Kamara and Louise they're very capable and technically very gifted footballers but they've made you could argue half of the half. I don't want to call them mis- the only mistakes because there's obviously reasons why those mistakes have been made, but they've sort of taken the brunt of half of the errors that have led to goals. I suppose does that prove that even though they are technically very good, it's almost a team effort for um, say building up from the back and learning Emery's way. And even though you're very technically good, it doesn't mean that you can just learn this straight away. It's going to take a bit of time. Yeah, I mean one of the things that you're seeing from from Emery's teams and um, this is something that I've been, I've watched a few of your games back from recently just yeah. to just to f- re-familiarize myself with what's going on um, like the 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 minutiae of what's going on and watching an Unai Emery team you just you can the, the patterns are so repeatable that you know exactly what's going to happen um you have those two triangles of the of the fullback and the center back on one side and then the 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 specific ball near double pivot so the, the double pivot player who is closest to the ball in the build-up and that player will drop in and will be involved in helping them control the ball in that in that space but also if if the pressure gets too much on one side the idea then is that you can move the ball across to the other side and you've got another triangle exactly the same of the fullback the center back on the ball near side and then the double pivot player as well and the idea being that you 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 try and form these progressive passes into uh, particularly the the, the number 10s, so the, the wide players in your full four two, they, they're going to sit in that in what we call the half space, so sort of not the, quite the wide channel, not quite the central channel in between there, and they're going to look for those progressive passes into their feet. Um, when you play Emi Buendia, he often drops in as well to help out as well. So the idea is you possess the ball, you move it around the, the, the opposition, and you try and find those progressive passes into the wide players then to be able to um, spring these these quite direct attacks. If you watch any Villa game, pretty much in the last five games, you'll see that that pattern just being constantly repeated. So, with the two double pivot players, as you've mentioned, they're fundamental to the build up, but they're also the two players who are under the most amount of pressure because they're they're slightly more advanced. They're in the central space, um, and the opposition will be, you know, in modern football, usually pressing forward to try and make things difficult for them. So it should come as no surprise that those two players are particularly under under pressure. Uh, both of them very good technical players, as you've said. But uh, at the same time, so much of this comes out of repeating those sorts of structures and patterns that if there isn't uh, an outcome where where they can move the ball on, it may, it may just as well be the, the fault of their teammates for not actually being in the right position as well. And also, yeah, this is, you know, it's a very, it's a very bold way of playing and, it requires a lot of bravery, you know, it, and, and I think the flip side of that is that you will sometimes get into situations where the ball may be turned over and you will be in an open defensive position because you are trying to make the most of make the most of the space. And that will come with with, with goals the, the other way. But in general, if as long as you're progressing the ball through that first phase of the build up, getting the ball into those 10 so that you can turn and then have these uh, attacks through through the forward players, then Unai Emery won't care because 
more often than not, you will be doing that, not making mistakes. Does that come with a consequence of the opposition manager will quite easily work out that, oh, well, OK. As we saw against Bournemouth, actually, I think Philip Billing pushed quite high and in previous games there was um, a bit of a squeeze on our uh, holding midfielders. But again, is that bulletproof and is that why it's a good sort of system that Emery's trying to do at the moment? Because you say you can easily switch the ball if needed. But again, how do you sort of combat that? Because you can't have a million variations of doing it else. The players will just be overloaded with information. But at the same time, I suppose the consequences that opposition managers will kind of quite quickly work out um, how to try and uh, negate it, combat how we're trying to play. That's very much the case. And I think, you know, with any manager who is probably towards the more scripted side of the of, of the spectrum, that is always going to be a problem. And that's why we now see managers like Pep Guardiola, uh, Roberto De Zerbi as well, um, Mikel Arteta. So much of what they're about is actually flexibility in the build-up phase. So we've, we've already talked about how Unai Emery, you can, you can almost script exactly what the build-up phase is going to look like. Yeah. Um, there is obviously pressure valves in that system, as we've said, but they are scripted pressure, pressure valves, as you mentioned. Whereas when it comes to someone like Roberto De Zerbi or, or Mikel Arteta or, or uh, Pep Guardiola, what they have is they have a number of different ways of being able to solve problems in that phase of play. So the opposition, and that's very much how you should think about modern football, really. It's like a series of problem-solving exercises. So you know how the the possession team are going to try and build up in the first phase. So you can try and structure your, your high press or your mid-block to try and make that as hard as possible for them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do that, then when you are someone like Mikel Arteta, you can do a number of things, right? You can, you can start with a flat back four, so you can have width you can prioritize width in your first phase of build-up um, that is that you've got the your fullbacks really wide and then the two center backs um, obviously what we've seen a lot happening with under under both Guardiola and um, Arteta this season is inverting fullbacks right so what, the idea then is that one of your fullbacks goes inside joins the central midfield in the second phase of of uh, or second line of the build-up and then you go to a functional back three and again what you're doing then is just you're changing the structure you're doing something to try and negate what the opposition are trying to do with their first line of pressure in the in their out of possession phase so the ability to be flexible i think in in the in the build-up phase is one that i mean we we the the narratives have been with with particularly Mikel arteta you know three two seasons of of meh football followed by you know clearly one of the best teams in 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 english football right now um that's the sort of that's the sort of timescale that you can expect for that sort of flexibility to to start coming in. Um, we could talk about Roberto De Zerbi doing it pretty quickly, but you know Roberto De Zerbi is building on the foundations that Graham Potter laid. Regardless of what people think of Graham Potter since he went to, went to Chelsea, he developed a really flexible team, players who knew what their responsibilities were, who could solve those problems in different phases and could switch up during the game to be able to solve those pro- problems during the game themselves um and so that's why he's been able to do that so yeah at the moment i think with with unai emery it's always going to be fairly scripted in the in the in the first few phases of build-up the big question is going to be is there going to be more flexibility in that in that build-up system will we start seeing different patterns of play emerging and the players being able to move between those during the game as and when the opposition are able to cause them problems in terms of the long-term trajectory of unai emery i suspect that's maybe not as likely and again that might be why he succeeded quite a lot at mid mid-table sides right so there's going to be certain games where his build-up system works fine and you'll win those games and then there's going to be certain games where it won't work fine and you don't win those games Um, but it will be good enough for you to 
be better than the majority of teams in a league and uh, do quite well in competition play, seemingly, uh, especially if you get to the Europa League. That's sort of what you get with Unai Emery. But again, it's this is this is about you know that that longer term trajectory. It's about moving Villa from being a team who've had a series of of worse managers, I would say. Yeah, and and getting them to a situation where they're going to be comfortably mid-table, and then deciding when you've reached a ceiling with Unai Emery, or maybe even Unai Emery realizing that he has a ceiling and being able to move beyond that ceiling and 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 take himself to the 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 very top level, um, mm. uh, and and that's what it's about. It's about progressing the team to that that point where you are able to compete with the top, and it's it takes ages. It's, it, it takes absolutely ages for a team to become good at football. I think people think it happens overnight, but um, yeah. when you look at teams like Brighton and Brentford, that these these teams were being smart ten years ago. So yeah, there has to be a level of patience with 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 whatever's happening right now. And I think, to be honest, Unai Emery is the perfect first step coach. Um, I'm not sure how far he can take you. I think he'll take you a decent decent stretch. Um, but I think that you, the Villa fans should be really positive about having a, a manager of that caliber as their coach right now because it's exactly what you need. I suppose making that next step as well, as you mentioned, with Brighton, Brentford, and other clubs who have made it look easy, really. But if you sort of dig it dig further it's you know they've obviously had a lot of work done but though a lot of those players you know they go to Brighton and then they go to a top six club or whatever it may be but what I'm trying to say is how do Villa go next is it Emery works with these players for another four years and then suddenly Tyron Mings becomes an excellent ball playing centre-half or you know just as an example or does he try to recruit players how does that sort of work because you know when Brighton have got um Lewis Dunk or whatever it may be that's obviously nurtured his talent a lot in the last six years or seven years but that was a player who was in the lower league so and clearly wasn't up to that level then players can get to that level and become you know top players in sort of modern football practices so what is Emery's thing now is it just to work with the players that he's got or is it a bit of both or is it recruitment and how does he yeah <laughs> I think you get what I'm trying to say I know that's a bit yeah. of a long no, 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 it's perfect. I, I guess the what I would do though is I would distinguish between the benefits you get from having a tactical system and the benefits you get from your the, the talent levels of your players, right? Yeah. Uh, those two things are not necessarily set. We've already talked about like developing flexibility within a system so you can get more out of it. And like clearly having a system benefits someone like Lewis Donk, who I think is a fantastic center back. Yeah. Um, but the system allows him to look better than he might do in a different system. Um, mm-hmm. And that's going to be true for for Villa players. And I'm sure there's players who you've seen under Unai Emery who you start thinking, actually, I didn't realise this player was, you know, I was not familiar with his game or whatever the meme is. Um, the other thing is, is that, you know, there is a ceiling on how far you can go with certain players. You know, you, you're always having to balance off that combination of making sure that your coach is using a system which gets the most out of the players but then the director of football providing the coach with players who you know can can take them to the next level. Now it gets a it gets a little bit m- murky when you get to the really elite levels, of course, because you know take a take a team like Real Madrid who tend to be the whipping boys of this kind of argument. That um, there's lots of debates you may have heard going rumbling around um, tactics Twitter at the moment between teams who who play positional football and teams who play what's called relational football now positional football is just very structured i'd say high tactical football so mm. coaches using structure and system to get to get an upside in the game but there's coaches out there who are much more about actually allowing the players to solve problems on the field um, and when you have supremely talented players like like real madrid have there's a sense in which you can 
you know, you give them a really basic s- structure or system to work in, but then you allow the players to, you know, get around the ball, work the ball forward through you know, just close build up and and ability to be press resistant, really smart creative passing, and then elite forwards who are just going to score in certain situations. That works as well. So it is it is murky because you, you know you can go too far the other way, and this is the big argument that is being handed in tactics Twitter at the moment. What happens when you become so reliant on your structure and your system that you actually start curtailing the freedom and and creativity of the of the talented players that you have? Um, but I think, you know, when you're bringing in someone like Unai Emery, the idea is, right, we're bringing in a coach who is very good at setting up a structure which will get the most out of out of players. Um, and it will get the most out of, you know, your, your Tyrone Mings, who people may not expect to be the greatest ball-playing centre half in the world. Um, and, yeah, you know, that's that's fine. There's, there's, there's very few very good ball-playing centre-halves in the world, and you would be surprised if, if, if um, one of them ended up at your team if you were Villa, right? <clears throat> but the idea is, is that, again, we've talked about this long-term approach, which is the system carries everyone higher up the table. You become a more att- attractive proposition, and the director of football can then at- attract um, better talents, uh, talented players to to the club as well. And so I suppose the big question then is, you know, at what point does do you hit that talent that that ceiling where you're getting the most out of your, um, you're getting the most out of the players that you have with balancing that off against bringing in players who can then carry you to the next level, not necessarily tactically, but because they have the the skill sets and the and the capacity to 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 be at that next level. Um, that's a question for a few years, I think. Yeah for Villa yeah. but um, the general principle will be there you know which is the system carries you to a point where you can get better players and when you have better players you can be more flexible in build up you can be more creative going forward you can start solving problems in the final third I mean because this is this is the problem that Brighton had for example right under Potter was that everyone was like oh they keep consistently underperforming their expected goals well what's happened there is that you've got a, a manager who's able to repeatedly get the ball into those into those dangerous areas but maybe not quite the finishing talent amongst the, the forwards yeah. uh, to be able to make most of that um that's a good example of, of you know the talent base not really matching matching up where where you want to be on the other hand like if you had a coach who was going to be you know someone like steve bruce who isn't going to be putting a huge amount of uh tactical um structure in place you can get a long way through having talented players right but the big question is can you imp- implement a coach who is going to actually get more out of the team because of that structure as well so it's a fine balance and and i think there's there's pros and cons to both of them i don't want to just come a- across as being like a, a pep guardiola acolyte yeah. here and be and, and be saying this is the only way you should play football there's plenty yeah. of, of ways of doing it but i think for the purpose of what we're talking about it's about that long-term trajectory how do you get villa from a team who are you know with all the best will in the world were in a relegation battle yep. at the beginning of the season now very much a mid-table side um how do you make the most of that where do you take your next steps and that's what that's what football management has become these days that was a really good answer and almost to i suppose end the our topic at the moment so it's only a 25 minute podcast or whatever it might be but there's, there's so much to sort of dive into and, and to get into but in terms of the goalkeeper as well how important and what sort of role do they play because when we say playing out from the back, I think the first thing that people think of is, well, can the goalkeeper pass five yards? Can they take the ball under pressure? Probably because you've had Alisson Edison come into the league. So that's almost, that almost started it. And now it's an expectation that every goalkeeper has to be good with their feet. And you look at someone like David Raya, who, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, might not you know be courted by a team like Chelsea, but now because he's so good with his feet and can play like an outfielder, that's um, all the more prevalent. And 
you know, like Martinez, he can see he can see the opposition. He starts those moves. He can pick the passes where he wants to. So how important is it for the goalkeeper to um, almost be, I don't want to say the most important part of it, but certainly a major, um, they play obviously a major role in, in what Emery's trying to do. Yeah, I mean, the phrase I used before was problem solving, right? And mm. if you have a one-dimensional goalkeeper, it means you have less ways of solving problems. Uh, we've talked already about how the Emery first phase build-up like, relies on building up on one side, and then if the pressure gets too much, moving across to the other. Um, and often you'll use the, the double pivot player to do that movement, but you can also use the goalkeeper as well. Uh, obviously, the goalkeeper is positioned deeper, and so it's a bit of a safer option to go that way as well. The other thing that you can get from your goalkeeper is in those sorts of situations, if, you can, if your goalkeeper can play a wedge pass over the front line of the opposition press into a fullback, um, which you'll have seen Martinez do. So, yeah, just that little dink you'll see over a player into the, into the fullback, and usually that will trigger a jump by the opposition player to put them under pressure. But the ability to be able to do that means that you're taking out a line of pressure in, in your build-up phase. If you can do that repeatedly, play, the players know that that's an out ball that they can play. They can play it back to the goalkeeper with an on-rushing um, forward from the opposition. He can dink it over to the, to the fullback. And once you do that a few times, the opposition start thinking, what's the point of pressing the goalkeeper there? Because sure. he's just going to find the fullback all the time. So the first line of pressure drops and then you have much less pressure than on your first phase players. So your, your centre-backs and your goalkeepers probably won't be under as much under as much pressure. So yeah, that, that's the sort of thing that it gives you, right? It gives you more flexibility in that build-up phase. We've, we've talked about how important that is for, for elite sides. That's why these goalkeepers have become so important. Now. Obviously, a goalkeeper has to be able to stop uh, chances, which is why we we have these sort of long dialogues about how good Edison really is when you know he gives up goals, but can can do all of the build up stuff fine. Um, but yeah, when you've got a goalkeeper like Emi Martinez, who's really, really well rounded in both respects, again, that's that's the difference between being able to do that and not. And again, Man- Manchester United, the classic example here, right? David de Gea, not good enough to be able to do that, and so Manchester United's build up play is much less impressive than it should be for a team of their of their caliber they aren't able to do any of their build-up stuff because they can't rely on their goalkeeper having a player like emmy martinez is fantastic because a, a manager can just be like i don't need to worry about my goalkeeper really in, in first phase build-up naturally in a squad you're not going to have two amazing goalkeepers or man united could have i suppose if they were you know back to where they were but you can always trade out defenders you can you know do what you want but as soon as you replace a goalkeeper it's like front page headlines and stuff like that so that's mm. i think again why it's very important that um, although martinez might not be the best ball playing goalkeeper in the world um he is absolutely adequate to do it and that's it could have been a much bigger problem than um than you know what it uh, than what it actually is so yeah um i think that probably covers most of the things that we'd talk about today john would love to get you back on maybe over at the end of the season or the start of next season to sort of evaluate where where emery's um aston villa's gone after that maybe we'll be in europe who knows probably not i think that probably wraps up in terms of the benefits of playing out from the back emery system so far and why villa fans need to keep giving it some time hopefully when this comes out after the chelsea game we haven't made a calamitous error and lost the game 4-0 um but yeah thanks for your time again John and again please everyone link uh, follow the links in the social channels and in the description as well to go over to TIFO and John's accounts uh, too and yeah we'll uh, catch you next time thanks everyone thank you for listening to Claret and Blue and Aston Villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please do let us know we love hearing your thoughts and comments we'll be back soon with another episode but until then up the villa